Father, we worship you and praise you. I thank you for your love, Lord. I pray for your presence. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit flows through me to speak your words only, none of my own. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your plan. I thank you, Father, as you said in worship, your pursuit, your pursuit of us. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you hear me okay back there? A little more. Yeah, just go ahead and turn turn up my, my it's the blue, just a little bit. Um, you know, when the, the Lord spoke during worship, I want to confirm that that was him. Because it was exactly what he has given me this morning in many different elements. One of those elements is fear. He said, don't be afraid, right? We're going to talk about faith this morning. But we're going to talk about it through a different lens. I, I, want to, I want to say a couple things that, first let me say this. We have been promised this falling, right? We wait for it. We're eager for it. We're hungry for it. We have been promised this falling of the Holy Spirit in power. And in fact, Jesus even promised it in John chapter 14, where he said, one day... You will do more than me. Right? From the moment he said that to his disciples, the church has been waiting for that moment. Well, that moment is upon us. It is the time for it to happen. It is the, the culmination of what, what God is doing through his mystery, his church, his bride. But understand that when he says, I'm doing a new thing, we can't fully wrap our arms around what a new thing is, right? Can you imagine John, who, who, who uh, penned the book of Revelation, can you imagine him trying to describe an airplane? Can you imagine him trying to describe a car? <laughs> you know, he, he didn't have the vocabulary for it. He could imagine it. He could imagine something flying. He could imagine something on wheels rolling. Certainly. But he didn't have the, the faculties to be able to explain what that really is. It's no different with falling of the Holy Spirit. I can tell you one thing. It's not going to be like what you see in Acts chapter 2. I know that. The Lord has shown me many aspects of it. But recognize that it will be different than what you expect. I believe what he is going to do is going to be a lot more pinpoint. It's going to be very strategic. It is going to be selective to those who open their hearts to him. You know, God doesn't look at the outside. He knows the heart, right? That's what he says. He knows the heart. So we can't hide from him in our actions. He sees our heart because our, 
our heart is displayed before him, even if we hide to other people. That is what God is pursuing, is your heart. I expect this falling every day. I know it's imminent. And I don't talk about it much on on Sunday mornings just because of the audience that we have but online. But we talk about it all the time on Tuesdays. We talk about it at gifts meetings. We talk about it whenever we're together. This expectation of what he's going to do, what he's promised. But I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning, I expect it every day. You know, three years ago, Jesus wrote me a letter. You guys understand that. You online, I know that sounds a little crazy, but he he really did. I have a physical letter from him. In this letter, three years ago, January 17th, I think it was 17th or the 20th, somewhere around in there in January, a little over three years ago, he said, look for the signs. He was talking about this wave, this tidal wave of the Holy Spirit. This wave that would just engulf, which was the power of the Holy Spirit, what we call the falling of the Holy Spirit. He said three years ago, watch for the signs. He said those signs will become so clear. I can tell you those signs are upon us. They have been for a while. They're upon us heavy. I expect every day, even this moment right here, right now, for the Holy Spirit to fall. And so this last week in court, which, by the way, we had another court case for Nigeria and the spirit of witchcraft was taken out. But in this court time afterwards, I asked the Lord, I said, and what he had been laying on my heart, I just just went before him and said, what do you want me to talk about on Sunday? Because it seems to be the same thing over and over and over and over again. And guess what? He said the same thing over and over and over again. He said, he said, there are some that are not yielding to me. There are some that are not giving me what I need to move in them. So he wanted me to talk about that faith this morning. But I want you, I want you to know the second part of what he said, because I asked him, I said, Lord, I said, are these people you're waiting on? Are things delayed because there are people that you're waiting on to yield? And he said, no. He said, the waiting is over. He said, my plan is moving forward no matter what. So I I just, I got to plead with you to understand the importance of, of giving every part of your heart to the Lord. What does that mean? There's something right now. Perhaps it's even on your heart right now. There is something that the Lord is speaking to you right now that requires faith. Something. Don't know what. But I guarantee every single one of you, whether you're listening or not, there is something that the Lord is saying to you that he says, step in faith on this, trust me. Could be a feeling you have, 
Could be a frustration you have. Could be a, I don't know how this is going to work feeling. It could be a million different things. But there is something in your life that he is trying to get you to exercise faith in. And he needs for you to step in that. This whole, really the last couple of weeks, he, he's had me thinking about Moses and I, it, which is odd. I, I, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't dwell on Moses per se and, 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 and so much of, you know, what God did in Israel back then, but he has taken me through there this week and, and took me through this process of trying to understand what this faith is and what this faith requires for what is coming. See, you guys, you believe me or not, it doesn't matter. But things are about to change drastically. Not within our circle, not just within our circle, but within the globe. They're about to change drastically. Some will say for the better, some will say for the worse. It will be because of a move of God. It will be the power of the Holy Spirit. It will be a difficult time because it is the line in the sand. It is the spitting out of the lukewarm. I'm not going to begin to try and tell you what that means because it would just be conjecture on my part. I just don't think it's good. I'm not sure what it means to be spit out of God's mouth, but I can't imagine it's a good thing. But all these things are upon us. Why? Because the bride is to be ready. And the scenario he showed me was, we are finally at the end of that wilderness time when Joshua had waited 40 years. See, he knew he, he and Caleb were the two that said, no, we'll go in, we'll get them. But then they weren't allowed to because of a lack of faith. They had waited 40 years to be able to go back in, to be able to finally move forward. And that's where we're at right now. Because, see, there have been people all over the globe, this remnant, that have been waiting a long time that have been pressing in for a long time, that have been saying, Lord, when, when, when? The Lord is finally, finally saying now. But I want to take you back. I want to take you back to what led up to that 40-year wait for Joshua and for Caleb. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. We're going to begin... At verse 17, and basically what had happened up till now, you all know the story. You've all seen the movies and Charlton Heston and all that, right? Anybody, any of you young people even know who he is? Oh, man. You, you just are a lost generation. <laughs> you gotta go Google who Charlton Heston is. And, and, and I think, I think, uh, uh what, wasn't it called the Ten Commandments? The, the movie? Yes. Oh, my goodness. What an awesome movie. You, got, you young people got to figure that out. Go, go have, a, have an event where you all get together and watch an old movie and feel real retro. Okay? It, it, it might just actually lift you up a little bit. But anyways. 
So, so you're, you're all familiar with the story, though. Moses was raised up to, to literally liberate Israel. Israel had been in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. That's not a short time. <laughs> okay, 400 years, you start to develop a mindset of a slave, right? You, you, you start to feel like you are not deserving of freedom. You are not deserving of anything else. Literally, Egypt kept Israel afraid of them, and it kept them in this bondage. That's exactly, by the way, what Satan does. He keeps you afraid of something to keep you in bondage. And that's what was happening there. But then Moses was sent. Remember Moses and Aaron? They did the, uh, it went there and said, let my people go. And in the movie, it was real powerful. Real, he had a low voice, let my people go. I'm not that low, but you know, you know what I'm saying, right? Anyways, it was dramatic because it ended in the greatest plague where the firstborn of every home that did not have the blood died. Finally, Pharaoh let him go. Get out of here. Take, take what you need. Just go. And they went. They left. And that's where we find ourselves in verse 17. They've left Egypt. They're leaving Egypt. And they're now going to be led by this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. We're going to start in verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, and get this, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. <laughs> Think about that a second. Think about that a second. God knew what they were going into eventually when they went into the land of Canaan. He knew that when they would face all those ites, it would be in war. And yet he knew pulling them out of slavery right now, there was still bondage of fear. There was a lack of faith. It's amazing, to be honest with you, that they all went. I think that is a tribute to who they are. And that they were God's children. Because they didn't have to all go. But he said, I will not take you in the way of the Philistines because I don't want them to change their minds when they see that war is going to be a part of it. Verse 18, but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Now, I don't know what that means to be equipped of battle and yet be afraid to go to war. But that's exactly what we see in the children of Israel. Now, don't we see that in our, in our own lives? You are equipped for battle when you have accepted Jesus Christ in your heart and you are pursuing relationship with Him and the Lord is building these things in you. You are equipped for, for battle. What level of battle may depend, but you're equipped for battle. Why? Because you are a child of God. You are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. You have authority that you may not understand. You may not know how to wield that authority, but you've been given it. Does that make sense? You with me on that? 
Okay, so you are equipped for battle. Now, just because you're equipped for battle doesn't mean you know how to fight. Right? I could strap on a sword and a dagger and armor and a shield and be fully ready for war and not know how to use that sword. Not know how to use that shield. You see what I'm saying? So they were equipped when they left. But yet, their hearts were not ready. Verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. He knew that they were going to be saved, that they were going to be delivered from Egypt. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham and on the edge of the wilderness. And then verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Now, I don't know about you. See, we read these things and we think, man, if I saw that, if I saw that, I would surely believe you know, if, if I saw this pillar of fire at night, and we're following this pillar of fire, and, and, you know, I've heard God's voice and what Moses has said, of course I would believe. Okay, however, recognize they're coming from a spirit of slavery. They're coming from a place in their, in their community where witchcraft is normal. Perhaps to see a pillar of cloud or to see a pillar of fire wasn't anything super special for them. Evidence of that is the fact that the magicians, when, when Moses would do the first few plagues, they would copy them and do the same thing. There was witchcraft going on in that place. They still had to choose to believe. Do you see what I'm saying? So they face the same thing you face right now. Now maybe to you, to see a pillar of fire, or to see a, a you know, literally just a, a pillar of cloud, maybe, maybe almost like a tornado, just right there, just waiting for you to follow it. You know, that would be out of the, out of the ordinary for us. That might be, well, wow, of course that's the hand of God. I see that. But do you see, we're not so different. I used to, I used to, condemn is a strong word, but I used to really not understand how, how Israel could be as they were coming out of Egypt. You know, how in the world could they see what God did and not believe? And then the Lord really showed me their heart, and there were two aspects to it, one Things going on in the world at that time were different than what we have now. We have a suppressed understanding of the spirit realm here in America. I mean, if you want to, if you want to understand even a slight difference, just go over to Nigeria. Just go over to some of these other countries that recognize the spirit realm very, very evident, right? But here in America, we have a very suppressed, Satan's been really good at that suppressing that spirit realm here in America. But they didn't. They didn't have that. 
But then the second thing is they had a mind frame of slavery. They had a mind frame of 400 years of being bound by this nation and put under their thumb. Now, how does that apply to us? Oh, man. People, especially in America, walk around slaves. Christians walk around as slaves all the time. They're slaves to the very things that they were slaves to here. Maybe not in physical aspect. But do you know someone, perhaps even you, that is a slave to fear? That is a slave to doing what you need to do to control your own outcome? See, it's no different It's a mentality of slavery. When I have to do something to control my circumstances and not let God come in and do that, that is a sense of slavery. That's not freedom, guys. That's certainly not the freedom that Jesus paid for on the cross. So this is why God took them away from the way of Philistines because they weren't ready. They weren't ready. They needed to see more of Him, more of who He is, more of His power. Chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people to turn back and encamp in front of Piharoth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of Belzephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, and this God's telling Moses prophetically, that Pharaoh will say to the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, God says, and he will pursue him, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. See, he, he, God here is not just doing this for the sake of, of Israel. He is doing this to show the world who he is. Do you know that what's about to happen, this crossing of the Red Sea, became a place of fear for the known world, especially those in the land of Canaan? Right? They knew about it. They knew God, the God, which astounds me that they wouldn't turn to him. You know, what did they ever get out of their rock that they worship? So it's like they saw the real power, but the real power was not affecting their hearts. Verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people, and they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him, and took six hundred chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. This was a large army he was sending. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly, defiant against Egypt. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped at the sea by Piharoth, In front of Baal Zephon. So right where God told them to encamp. Verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. 
And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? It's astounding to me. It wasn't, God, help us. It's literal sarcasm. (laughs) I mean, seriously? Seriously, there aren't graves in Egypt? You could have just put us in Egypt. Would have saved us this whole walk. That's kind of the response. But do you recognize that's a response of fear? It's not a response of faith. It's a response of looking not at God's promise, but looking at the circumstances. They were looking at the circumstances. God's trying to teach them, no, 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 look at me. Look at me. Listen to the promise. Listen to what I'm giving you. Verse 11, or no, verse 12. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Wow, what a statement. See, the Lord will fight for you. All you have to do is stop complaining. That's what he's saying. Be silent. Shut your mouth. Stop complaining about what you don't have. Stop complaining about what you think you should have. Stop complaining about your situation and be silent. Fill it with faith and see what God does. You know, at this point, God isn't even expecting faith from them. That's the extraordinary thing. Do you know, sometimes he just needs us to shut up. He just needs us to be quiet. Not, not, even, not even pour faith into it. Wow, that's the second step. Let's not go there yet. Let's just shut up first. And this, this is really what the bride needs to do, is shut up is be quiet about what the Lord is not doing. Be quiet about your plight here in this country, or whatever country you're a part of. Be quiet about your plight and other places in the world, and I get it. I get it. You don't have buildings. I get, I get emails every day about, please, we need a building. Help us, you know, send us some money. Help us with this building. Guess what, guys? We don't have one either. Shut up about it. It doesn't matter. Because God's saying, I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me. By the way, me God, not me Greg. Trust God. Trust Him. That's the first step. He said, just be quiet and trust. And then I'm, I'm not going to read any further. I'll just, I'll just, you know what happens. Right? Apparently they did shut up, or for the most part. They were quiet and they watched. Probably absolutely afraid for their lives. Then God says to Moses, turn to the, to the uh, Red Sea and lift up your, your staff. Right? And the sea parted and they walked through it. And then Egypt comes behind them and God closes it. And destroys this world power 
army. Imagine that. Imagine the greater part of the American military dying like that. That's what this represents. That's what was going on here. All of what they thought was their enemy was being destroyed in a single moment, and all they had to do was be quiet. That was it. But then I want to go to Numbers chapter 13. And, and by the way, many things happen, and, and you know the story. God, God takes them on a longer journey than what was necessary to finally get to where they would send the, the spies in, right? And they go through many things having to trust the Lord, and they, they go through failure after failure, which is just extremely sad. You know, they, they go through, through Moses going up and getting the commandments. He comes down and they have a golden calf. That astounds me too, guys. You know, when you think about that, it wasn't like they were, Moses was up there for years. He was up there 40 days. I could almost sleep for 40 days. You know, I mean, do something. You know, in, in Nigeria, they, they knit, right? Or what do you do? Crochet. crochet, I'm sorry. You can crochet for 40 days, right? You guys, could, Beth could crochet for 40 days. I know Beth could do that easy. Because literally she's taking like eight bags of, of uh, luggage with just yarn. Maybe she's planning on her 40 days. I, I don't know, but... They just had to believe and shut up and just wait. They didn't even have to do anything. They just had to trust. They just had to be not proactive in the negative side. That's it. That's all God was asking them to do. All the way up to right here. All the way up to when they're sitting on the other side of the Jordan and the land of Canaan is over there and he says, I'm going to send in these spies. To spy out the land. Now, by the way, think about how God works a second. Did God have to send in the spies? No. What do you think that was? Was it a strategic information gathering thing? No. It was a test. It was a test on two parts. One, a test so they would see how good the land was. But the second part was to test. Are they going to trust God? Are they going to... Take what has happened over the last, you know, since they left Egypt, all these miracles, this pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day, parting the Red Sea. You know, all these things that have happened, providing food, providing water, all these things that have happened, are they going to now trust God to take the next step? Which is not just shutting up, but is putting out putting out the very faith that it was required to take that land. So God sends the spies. Let's start, this is uh, Numbers chapter 13, start at verse 25. At the end of 40 days, and, and this is after the spies are coming back, so they, they send out these spies, the spies come back, and this is where we are right now. 
At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. By the way, they, previously they talked about this, just this insane yield of fruit. This insane yield. Talked about these grape harvests where the guys are carrying it between, you know, two guys on a pole. I don't know, that's a lot of grapes. Think about that. Now, I don't know if they're like big grapes or it's just a lot of grapes. Can you imagine eating a grape like this? That would be pretty wild. It's like, like pass me a knife and a fork. I don't know. But whatever it was, it was insanely, insanely good. Verse 28. Oh, I hate this word. Hate it. However, however, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the hill, hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, and he was one of the, one of the spies, he said, let's go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able, able to overcome it. See, Caleb recognized not only was he ready for war, right? Remember it said when they came out of Egypt, they were ready for war. They were clothed with what was ready, made them ready for war. But in his heart, he was ready for war. Because he knew in whom he served. He wasn't just being quiet and told to be quiet, he had already poured out the faith required to step forward into his promise. Verse 31. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim. Now, I need you to understand this a second. Because this is not just a difference of, you know, me going up against Shaq. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? Or, or, or even somebody who is small like Yvonne going up against Shaq. Okay, that's not what we're talking about here. Okay, they said the Nephilim were there. What is the Nephilim? We know the Nephilim out of Genesis 6. They were, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole here, but they were a different kind of people. They were from a line that was, that came from literal darkness. Okay, their strength was great. They were giants. These were scary people. And so the, the, 
people of Israel did not listen to the two witnesses, but listened to the rest that said, we cannot overtake these because, one, they're really big, but two, they have this sorcery on their side. And Satan was able through fear to hold them off. And you know the story. You know the story. I mean, it, 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 was, it was after that God came down and, and professed his, his displeasure and his judgment. And then they said, oh no, okay, now we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. And then it was not a good decision. They spent 40 years, 40 years wandering in the wilderness, waiting literally to die. Because every male of age that was a warrior had a choice. The only ones that stood up were those two witnesses. So all the others had to die. And that happened over a 40-year period. Can you imagine how Caleb and Joshua must have felt? I don't know about you, but I, I, I might have wanted to just kill them. Okay, everybody raise your hand that didn't want to go. Okay, we could go now. They're all dead in the wilderness. No, it wouldn't work because they had to grow up some others. They had to learn lessons. They had to learn how to trust. They had to learn how to trust God for the very basic things that he wanted to give them so easily. And they struggled even with that in those 40 years. You know, that applies to where we are right now in your own life. The struggles that you have to control. The struggle, we, we may not be coming out of a place of slavery in a physical sense and then having to go like they were into a promised land. But let me tell you something. We have a promised land. We have a promise. We have what God refers to as the readying of the bride. We have that that promise that His bride will be seen in the eyes of this world and see how God has shed His favor on His bride. It's never happened. Revelation 3.9. But it's going to happen. You want to see what it looks like? Look at the third woe. Revelation, I think it's chapter 11, the, the latter half of chapter 11. That is the culmination of the readying of the bride. It says in chapter 10, verse 7 of Revelation, that it was on that trumpet, that last woe, that trumpet, where the full mystery will come to fruition. The mystery is us. The mystery is the bride. We have this insane promise. This insane promise of literally having influence over the entire globe. Do you understand that? Do you understand what that means? That means from a very literal sense, Jesus desires to rule this earth from His spiritual place by faith through His church. That's a foreshadowing of what He's going to do in the thousand year reign when He rules here in a physical sense with Israel. He wants to do that in his bride. He has said he would do that in his bride. It's throughout the scripture. So we have this insane promise. Just like they did. 
just like they did of the land of Canaan, the, the promised land for them. We have the same promise. But yet we look at them and we say, how in the world could you not have just said yes? Just said yes. I mean, I mean, you chose literally to go back into mind slavery and die in the wilderness. When you could have had this, you could have had the promise. Do you see, we're in the same thing right now. We're in the same thing right now. Jesus is saying, I want to rule through you, my church, to make things right as they should be. I want to rule through you. You have this opportunity. But yet, because it requires faith, because it's something we haven't seen before, we have a hard time holding on to that. Well, you know, God, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give you my faith. And, and when you do it, man alive, I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. I believe you can do it. Wow, how often do you hear that? Well, you know, we believe Carson's going to be healed. I bet I've, I've heard a thousand times, oh, well, no, we believe he can do that. God can absolutely do that. Yeah, you know what? That doesn't take a whole lot of faith to believe that. It doesn't take any faith to believe that he can do it. It doesn't take any faith to believe that he can ready his bride. That he can put people that are in relationship with him in places of leadership throughout all seven mountains of this country. So his voice is preeminent in leadership. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying Jesus is going to come down here manifest and and start barking orders. I'm saying he is going to put people that have relationship with him, that give him their full and complete yes. He's going to put them in places of leadership in the seven mountains of leadership in this country. All seven. Can you imagine what that looks like when it happens? When these seven people are listening to the same one Lord and have relationship with Him to hear Him correctly. Not with their own filters of control, or not their own filters of doctrine, or their own filters of, but I want. But when they just lay everything down and say, I am yours, God. Whatever you want. Can you imagine when He puts those people into leadership? What that would look like. Some of them are already being placed into leadership. Some of them will be changed that are in leadership. But you can imagine when that leadership is filled with people that listen directly to the Lord. That is Jesus bringing his kingdom to this earth. That is a foreshadowing of what he will do with his chosen people, Israel. One day. So we have this insane promise. Why don't we engage? Why don't we give everything toward it? Why don't we all just fully pursue and trust what he's saying? Yeah, the giants are big. Yeah, they they might be filled with sorcery. Yeah, they might be this, they might be that. But so what? Our God is stronger. And we trust Him. Why don't we do that? 
See, it's the same reason Israel didn't. They didn't see that land as theirs. They didn't see it as theirs. They knew that they would have this promise. But when they got to it, they really didn't see it as theirs. Because if they did, they would have demanded that the inhabitants get off. Do you see what I'm saying? Do we really see this country as ours? Do we really see that God wants to rule this country and this globe himself? Not not all religions being equal. Okay, by the way, let me let me just get this out so more people can hate me here for a second. This is not about freedom of religion. You are free. God even gives you freedom to worship who you want to. Right? Whoever you want to worship. He does not want to force you to worship Him. But if you think for a second that it is in His plan for our country not to worship Him, you're sadly mistaken. Because that's exactly what he wants. That's exactly where he's going. And it is going to happen. You're starting to see it even right now. That's why he's going to place these people in leadership that do honor God. It doesn't mean that it's going to force everybody to be a Christian. God would never do that. He doesn't do that to us now. He's not going to force that. What he is going to force, however, is truth. Because even faced with truth, you're going to have people that don't believe. And that's okay. It's their choice. That's literally the cost of love. Right? When somebody has a choice. But he is going to rule this nation. He is going to rule the world. This is the promise we've been given. So we're looking at our land of Canaan. Are we seeing it as, yes, that is ours. We own it. Get off our land. Or are we seeing it as, yeah, you know what? I, 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 I'll say my piece, but I can't force it. I, I know I'm, I'm equipped for warfare, but, but I, I can't go to war because that wouldn't be fair. Wow, what a, what a horrible outlook. Fair. How's this about fair? Your lack of engagement literally is sending people to hell. How's that for fair? That's a tough thought. You want to be complacent? You want to sit back? You want to be afraid? You want to be afraid to talk to somebody the Lord's sending you to talk to? You want to be afraid because you're just not that kind of person? How about that lack of engagement sends people... To hell. And I'm not saying it's your fault that they go to hell. They have their own choice. But if you don't engage in God's plan, you don't see it as yours. And that's what He wants you to see. He wants you to see it as yours. He wants you to be passionate about what He's doing. If you think that He's just going to come... And he's going to pour his spirit out on everybody just to see what sticks. You're sorely mistaken. 
even him pouring out his spirit is not going to come to change your mind. He's going to pour his spirit out on those who see and believe and trust and pour faith into the promise that he gives. Because his pouring out of the spirit is not for us. It's so that the world may see. See, the pouring out of His Spirit in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, it wasn't for the disciples. It wasn't for the 120 that were in the upper room. They got a benefit from it, of course. But it was for those 3,000 that came to know the Lord that very day. It was for the 5,000 that came to know the Lord some eight days later. It was for the people. It was for the world. But you got to believe. you got to believe that that promise is yours. Do you believe that? You will never be effective for the Lord. Until you understand that. Until you know that He loves you. Not because you're in a group of people that He loves. But He loves you. You. And in that love, there's expectation of faith. Do you know that's how we show our love for him? Is in faith? Think about it. He didn't say in Hebrews 11, it is love that pleases him. When we say, I love you, that pleases him. He didn't say that, did he? He said faith is what pleases him. Why? Because faith is what literally fuels that love. I could say, I love you. I could say, I love you to Alexis and ignore her all the time. Oh, I love you. Then don't help her with something. Oh, I love you. Ignore her for this. Ignore her for that. Have no conversation. Well, I love you, though. Okay, but it is when I put my action with that love that that love can be received. Because otherwise, it's just hollow words from me. Right? We love God. But if all you're doing is telling Him you love Him, and you're not giving Him the very faith He is asking for, sorry guys, but it's not love. Might be a good feeling. Might make you feel better like you're pursuing something. But faith without works is dead. Which means you have got to give him what he asks for. Full surrender. It's not partial. It's not a little bit here, a little bit there. Those days, guys, are over. If, if, if you were supposed to be a part of that, you should have lived in prior generations, perhaps, where it was not expected for what is expected now. We're entering into different times. Different times because the Lord is revealing more. When he does that, there is different expectation You gotta know that promise is yours.
Relax. Come on now. Clearly, the Holy Spirit had this word very, very strongly to be delivered today because those that were in the women's class, it is crazy. We, we did not talk. In fact, I was asking him when he first woke up this morning, I said, what did the Lord give you to preach? He said, I don't know. He's still, still just, things were just downloading at that time, the things that had been laid on his heart all week. And so there was no concurring over points and notes. And we talked about that same thing. And I just, I, I just I want to show you what the Lord just told me before we close. Sorry, it, it wasn't tight enough when I did it. You did it. Magically. Okay. Um, what the Lord showed me in, in this being quiet, shutting up. If you teach your children not to say that word, I apologize. It was said many times. Um, but it's the, it's the truth. Um, it's not about locking down. The enemy loves to, to twist scripture. It's not about lack of transparency. We know James 5.16. Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. It is not about that. It's about what's in the word. And of course the ladies know what we shared in, in um, Luke 1 about Zechariah and him being muted because of his doubt so that, it, so that the promise of John the Baptist being born would not be aborted. And so I, I just want to encourage you that the opposite of the being quiet. Be quiet when there's things that are bubbling up that you're in agreement with, with your words. Yes. But the opposite should be true. We should be able to prophesy and let what's bubbling up within us that is faith and is the Holy Spirit come out. And it can be in the simplest little things, you know, like, oh, I know you're going through a hard time and, you know, and I'm sure things are going to work out. You know, when somebody says that, some well-meaning person that you meet, maybe even a believer, not believer, whatever, says something, oh, Brooke, it's going to work out. If her response is, well, I hope so. Yeah, I'm not sure, but, you know, I hope so. We'll see. When it comes to things like that, sometimes it's just the smallest ways that we're in agreement with our words with doubt. And, and we've all done it. But God wants us to be so filled with a knowing that we can just be sure of it. That we don't have to be in agreement in any way with the voice of status quo or of not knowing. God is good, does only good. All things work together for good. Uh, you know, God, he, he, he wants us to actually pour out his word, his inspired word. If you don't get it in there, it won't come out. I mean, I am passionate about knowing the word of God, not to know a bunch of knowledge. What good is that? I, I didn't even like, I wasn't, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this out loud. I didn't even like school <laughs> um, in terms of all the learning because I always wanted something to be practical. And so I, I tell my girls all the time, man, nothing. I know you're learning science, you're learning this, you're learning that. Nothing. It's going to be more applicable to everything you do, every situation you face, than memorizing scripture. Amen. So yes, Yvonne, we got three more chapters to learn today. You know, I give her writing assignments. I give her, I give her homework that is scripture. Why? Because when life squeezes her, I want that to come out, yes. so that she is speaking truth. That's what doesn't return void. 
when the goodness of God is pouring out. So yes, we need to shut up about the complaints, but we need to also speak forth the truth. There is a word that people need. You have been diagnosed with XYZ, but that may be true, but truth is who God is and who God's called you to be. It's the difference between facts and truth. And there's just not, there's been nothing that's been more real to me, especially this beautiful story of the exodus of believers that we have to come to in faith is that it really is the power of God that is going to move us forward. There is nothing in our backgrounds, good or bad, things that have happened to us or things we've accomplished. There is no resume, nothing that will move us forward apart from the the power of God. And if the bride could get this, especially those in ministry as long as us, what we've done, how many times we've spoken or taught or how many honorariums we got for this or that or where we went or, you know, how many Bible studies we led. or None of that matters right. in where God's taking us. What all We learn from that. We glean from that. But right now, today, God is not a respecter of persons. In fact, in some cases, he's going to use that fresh soul that's so hungry for him that is just wanting everything to be downloaded, to just spill out. He'll use them more, and he will use the, the wisdom of God will really make the wisdom of this world look more foolish. Because, again, he won't force it like Greg said, but he will reveal truth. He will reveal truth. So I, I just want to um, – there was a quote that I um, saw from a – Preacher, evangelist, um, wonderful guy that has spoken a lot. Um, His name is actually Dutch Dutch Sheets. I don't know if anybody's ever heard him speak. But he just wrote this. um, It's an interesting name, I know. Uh, he, He wrote this little quote, and he said, Our authority level in Christ is connected to our level of faith. To the degree we believe God's word, we will obey and act upon it with authority. Grow in your faith and thereby grow in your authority in Christ. Amen. So to the degree that we believe God and we are willing to obey is the level of authority that we'll carry. Because it does take faith. It does take a trust to obey. And so if you ever find yourself um, hesitant to obey or hesitant to, you know, the smallest thing, even hesitant to just be in agreement with what you know the word says. Ask yourself, Lord, and ask the Lord, what am I not believing you for? What am I not believing about you and about what you have for me? Because if there's real faith there, you're going to walk in a boldness and in a confidence. There are so many reasons in the human realm for me to not think I have a right to be anywhere, to think that I'm completely nothing and worthless and there's no plan for me and this is a, you know, all the things that the enemy has told so many of us. You're a joke, you're a this, you're a that. Um, but boy, when God pours out his lavish love, it is an amazing place to be. It gives a confidence and a boldness that there's, it's just unmatched. And as he shows us the fickleness of people and the fact that people will love you today, spit you out tomorrow. The only thing constant is the love of God, yes. his plan for you. And, um, and if you're ever wondering in that confidence, if you've ever stumbled into pride, you know, we can't, a humility test is not one we can ever really, you can't measure. Okay, yeah, I, I think I'm pretty humble today. I'm feeling pretty humble. No, it's more of a going before the Lord and saying, God, am I giving you all the glory for everything? Am I, am I walking in any self-sufficiency? All you can do is pour yourself out. The humility 
Let God do that. As soon, and we all know this. As soon as you think you're humble, you're probably not. There, there isn't a self-awareness of humility. It doesn't exist. It's a mirage. It's a deceit. But you can say, God, am I giving you glory in everything? Am I believing you for everything? What am I not believing you for that makes me fearful? Because when there's trust, there is no fear. And by the way, that trust comes from love. Part of what has built our marriage is the, the trust that's grown between us is because of the love poured out. When you begin to not love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you're going to notice the trust goes down, 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 down. See, it's never on his side. It's that we move away. But the reason why we have to receive the love of God, we have to know that we're loved. Because the, the uh, the, the response to that is that we trust more. The more he loved me as a husband, the more I trusted him for things that he wasn't even good at. I just trusted him because I knew he loved me. I knew that if we were going to try, you know, when young couples start out and we don't know what we're doing, but you know what? What we've got is we love each other. So let's go for it. You know, it's just that thing that you even see in movies. But it's really true. And it's nothing like the measure of the love that God gives us. So, um, so it's an important word. And by, by the way, don't, don't, don't let the enemy make you stress about, oh, man, I got a heavy word today and I just need to be a better Christian. Just go, just go to him and we say press in, we say seek in, we say these buzzwords. What does that mean to you? Ask the Lord, say, what does it mean to experience you more? What does it mean to lay down everything that I think is important, that I think I need to accomplish or be or whatever, and just reveal yourself to me, reveal yourself to me. And you're going to find that um, everything that we need is going to be right there. And I'm, I'm, I'm just... Uh, I'm learning myself, and I'm just in awe of, of who God is and some of the things he's shown us. It's, it's going to be exciting. It's very, um, it's very weighty what's about to be released. Yes. But, you know, for those that are solid in him, as you know, the glory of God will establish a fully sanctified heart. It will crush an unsanctified heart. So we, we will be that much more established and um, so don't forget that what God's about to do isn't just for us. We'll benefit. I just think that's such another good word I have to echo. Um, but it is for what God wants to do through us. That's why we say everyone in ignition is a leader. What is leader? You know, we have this churchy mentality. What does that mean, leader? I'm going to be doing it. I'm going to be holding a position. No. It's because the glory of God released upon you will lead everyone you come into contact with yeah. into the presence of God, into the presence of his glory. It's not about... Um, external earthly position, you may in fact have that as well. But it's, it's a leading because of the hosting, the manifold and manifest hosting of his presence that will just literally just break atmospheres and lead people, hopeless people, people manifesting darkness and witchcraft and demons. It will lead them into the presence of God to make the choice. They still have the choice. But it will lead them there. That's the leadership you need to consider yourself. Which, by the way, is right now. Right now. Some of us sit back in the complacency is because we just got the wrong lens. It's like, well, I'm just kind of hanging out because I don't have a position yet. I don't have a a thing, you know. I mean, Casey hasn't assigned me to to be her assistant for the prayer walk. So, I mean, you know, I just kind of come and I kind of hang out. And No. If if you have an earthly lens when you hear the word leadership, you're missing it. Mm -hmm. You're missing it. Leadership is in the Ephesians 3.20 exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think power and presence of God that worketh in you to be released to others so that you can lead that hopeless 
suicidal girl that works at the counter behind you know the the sub in wawa or the person at the coles or the person anywhere you go lead them to the hope that they've been groaning and longing for that's exciting but that's available right now the measure of of what he releases honestly it's just going to come as a result of our hunger and uh, i expect it every day um lastly lastly um usually try not to say this much but i i want to comment on something greg and i were talking last night and he was talking about um, the expectation of what we think, what we're desiring, what the Lord has kind of given us glimpses of for the, for the Nigerian team while they're here. And we were talking about different things. That, you know, what if this happens? Or what if the Lord does this? Or what if there's this event? And I really love, I love seeing a gift of faith in action. Um, because it was, it was just so childlike. You know, Greg was sitting there and he said to me, and this isn't to, to tout him, it was just to see the Holy Spirit gift of faith in action. And he said, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. He said, but I'm going to pour everything I've got. I'm going to spend all the faith I have on those things happening while they're here. And if they don't happen, then the next day afterwards, I'm going to spend all my faith in the fact that it'll happen a different way. I mean, just just everything I've got, I'm, I'm here to spend it. And then when God gives me more, I'm going to spend it. Don't hold and hoard the gift of faith that you have. Because if you know anything about a mustard seed, it may start small, but it has the power to move mountains. And faith is the currency of heaven, but you've got to spend it. You can't leave it locked in. It's got to be spent through our speech, through what we say. It, it, doesn't, it does become dead and flat when you speak the opposite through worry, fear, anxiety, and complaining, the opposite of what you say that you have. So think about it in terms of spending. That just I don't know why that just resonated with me because sometimes I hold back. Why? I don't even know why I'm holding back. Well, yeah, but I mean, it might not happen, so I'm not going to get that excited. And Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I thought that was going to happen last time and it didn't. So, you know, that, oh, God has so been on me about the fact that who are you to protect the emotions I've given you? Who are you? Let me guard your heart. Don't you take the reins and control the emotion of disappointment because of how you boxed me into your expectations. That's right. wow. Don't do that. It's got to be surrender. It's got to be let go. You've got to spend everything yeah. you have. Once you release that, what will come back will be greater understanding, revelation, and a fulfillment of the expectancy. Because God's just way bigger than stuff we could come up with, right? Yeah. It's awesome. Wow. Praise God. Father, thank you, God. Thank you for this word today. Thank you, God, for how awesome and mighty you are. God, if we could just magnify you the way that you say in the Psalms to magnify the name of Jesus, then the trust and the belief and the faith would be just so much easier. Because the greatness of our God is greater than any problem, any trial, any addiction, struggle, disappointment, conflict, lack of money, ache, pain, Uh, Anything that we face, confusion, uh, unresolved problems, God, you are bigger than all of that. And not just bumper sticker bigger, but you literally, if you know the number of the very hairs on our head, do you not know how to resolve the things that we face? So God, I I just pray that you would open our eyes to see through the mind of Christ that you promised and have given us that we might know God. That you are worthy, worthy to be trusted. Lord, we want you, God. We want you. Whatever part of us is holding back, God, just we give you permission. And I can only speak for myself. I know I can speak for many here. But 
As we pray this prayer, I pray that there would be agreement with this, God, that I give you permission to just crush what is blocking that free-flowing way that you want to move through us, as you spoke earlier in, in, in your manifestation, God, during worship. So I pray that, God. Do your will. We love you. In the name of Jesus, I say I ask all of this. Amen.